Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp. Yet another boots on the ground highlight where we get some great wisdom from somebody else other than ourselves. <laughs> That's uh, right. Because we need to hear some good voices. Now, we love whenever we get to have a boots on the ground highlight guest on here and hear their story, hear what God's doing, hear lessons they've learned as we can share with others and highlight all the things that God is doing in this awesome movement of replanting. And today we have one of my new friends that I made in Houston, Mike Rubino. Man, what a great time we had in Houston getting to know each other and, and speaking there. And so I can't wait to hear from Mike today. Mike, What's going on, Jimbo? First of yeah, all, man. let me just say how excited I am to know somebody named Jimbo. Never <laughs> in my life. I'm the only guy in my neighborhood that knows a guy named Jimbo. So you automatically you made me more special. I believe so I appreciate you. Hey, you emailed me after that, and then you asked for my phone number, and then you made me feel like the only guy not called to the Sadie Hawkins dance because I never I never got a phone call, a text, nothing from you after you asked for my number. You know what it was, man? I just didn't like you that much. It was, you know, so I just, no, actually, funny enough, <laughs> I was looking for your number on my phone today to confirm, and I realized I, I never actually put it in my phone, but it wasn't intentional, man. I promised. Did you watch the YouTube video I sent you when I sent you my number? I wasn't even going to reference it. What's the matter with you? Absolutely, I watched it. I used to be a rockabilly cat when I used to have hair. <laughs> so we'll let, let that just sit there, okay? Let them all wonder. But when I oh, had yeah. hair, I actually probably even saw them live. So thank you for that. Oh, yeah. yeah, I had to repent for about a week after that. So <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> all right, Mike, tell us a little bit about your replant story, where you're replanting, kind of how that got started. I'm replanting on Long Island in New York. We're about an hour east of the big city. Certainly not something that I planned on. Came to a church uh, that could probably fit about, at the time, about 200. We were less than 50. And the average age of our congregation was higher than our average attendance on a Sunday. Mm. So, you know, no, no statistician or church growth guru ever says, give me a small church with a bunch of people about to retire. Like, it just... It is not a recipe for long-term growth. So that's kind of what I walked into. And I never planned on being a replanter. I didn't even know what the word was. I didn't know replant, revitalize. I just walked into this church one night and I was helping out with their youth group. And I just felt the call of God on my life. And I know that that almost sounds like Christianese, right? Like, why are you doing it? Well, God called me, and, but it's not Christianese. Like, God stopped me in my tracks. He called me. I said, you, you, you need to be at this church. And I'll tell you, one of the first things that I want to tell somebody who's considering replanting or revitalizing, uh, if you're not called, don't come. Right? If you're not called, you're going to quit. How long have you been at this replant? Well, first three years, seven years total. First three years, I was the associate pastor. So that was an interesting dynamic as the lead pastor was transitioning out and the old school leadership was hearing a bit of a new school voice. So that, that went as beautiful. It was all kumbaya and rose petals. Um, no, it wasn't. It was 38 revolvers and, and, and you know, it was half kidding, half kidding. Uh, and I learned, this, I learned some lessons. First thing I want to tell somebody, you know, if you're jumping in to a replant or a revitalize, you got to make sure that you are spirit dependent, not self-dependent. You know, I, I, I can't even stress that enough. You know, I, I thought I had all the answers 
And I turned out, I didn't even know the right questions to ask. Mm-hmm. That's good. Part of that replay process is God's doing a work in you while he's doing a work in the church. So it's, it's you're being sanctified while the church is being renewed as well. Oh, without a doubt. It goes hand in glove. And, you know, one of the things I think that I struggled with early on, because, you know, early on of a replant or a revitalize, there's a lot of sweat equity. There's a lot of stuff your church is not doing, but it's just not the people and there's not the funds. So, you know, you gotta have to be a jack of all trades, a master of none, and you you launch in all this stuff. And and I'll tell you, it's real easy to forget the Lord of the work as you're doing the work of the Lord. Yeah. You know, and someone kind of admonished me with that about a year and a half in. And they, they just, they nailed me. I was like, you're absolutely right. This has become all about me, not about God. I'm just not trusting in his providence. You know, what happens is if you're all self-dependent and you're not spirit-dependent, when things go well, you believe your own hype. Yep. Right? You start believing your own press. But the flip side to that is when things go wrong, you fall apart. Your identity is wrapped up in your performance. Yeah. You know, not being a pastor and under shepherds about your performance. It's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. So like in a replant, you you don't rack up a lot of wins in the first year. It's kind of like the Jets. I don't know if you're a Jets fan. <laughs> first of all, there. First of all, Kansas City hasn't won anything in a long time. So I know you're wearing a shirt right now. All right. Like, enjoy your, enjoy your five minutes. I, I get it. All right. The Jets are easy to pick on. But I'm going to say what I've said since I've been born. This is our year, baby. <laughs> this is our year. That's what a replanter says, too. This is our year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. Maybe five of them or seven of them, but this is our year. This is our year. Yeah, the first year. I mean, man, the first year, you better do a lot of listening and a little bit of talking. Mm. You know, I love what it says in Proverbs. You know, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. When their mouths are shut, they seem intelligent. You know, Proverbs 17, 28, man, if you're a replanter or a revitalizer, please do me a favor. Don't do what I did. Don't walk in the door. Think I have all the answers to all your problems. Here I am, baby. Right? Can I just say something? You know, it didn't take long from Palm Sunday till Good Friday, right? So you're gonna come in, you, you know, they're gonna throw rose petals. Thank you for coming. We we want to change, we want this, we want that. In a year, you'll really find out what they really want and then what they really need. Until you really sit and listen, you don't know. So don't speak. Mike, how did you um how'd you really factor up your ability to listen? And and what did that look like on a practical everyday level as a pastor? I had to learn not to go into a room with a preconceived notion. And that's hard because we all have something called um, bias, unconscious bias, where we see a preferred vision of the future and we go in the room wanting to get something accomplished. And as a replanter or as a revitalizer, you know, you are unaware of some of the undercurrents that have been under the surface of this church for years. Some deep wounds, some things that went really wrong 10 years ago that something you may suggest sounds a little bit like that and people kind of hurt. So I had to remind myself every time I walked in a meeting, don't open up with what I want to accomplish. So I would open up and ask a few questions. And I would say, well, how do you guys uh, think we're doing? Where do you think we need to go? You know, what are some things that you think might be helpful. And then as they talked, the stuff that I had kind of inside of me started to come out little by little. And I'll tell you this, every single time, not sometimes, every time what we came up with as a team was much better than what I walked in the door trying to accomplish. 
Now, that's a really big statement in, in this regard. Most of the time when you go into a replant situation or revitalization situation, a lot of the high capacity leaders have long since departed, right? So your movers and shakers have moved and are shaken somewhere else, right? Yes. So, so tell, talk a little bit about the value of the people that are there, like they're contributing to the process. Explain that to me. How's that, how'd that work for you? Because you, I know a lot of business folks say, you know, all of us are smarter than one of us, et cetera. What did you learn from them and how did God use them to shape the future of your church? Well, I just sat, listened, took a lot of notes, and then got to see what their spiritual gifting was, what their skill set was, and started plugging in people where they were gifted, learning some things about uh, what had worked in the past and how we can kind of tweak it a little bit for the future. But I think what you said is really key. At this point, as a replanter, a lot of the this high-level spiritual gifted, you know, people that's movers and shakers are moving and shaking in someone else's church. And, and so you really, you got to be careful. You don't want to run over people to reach people, right? So just because there are some faithful saints that are on the older side who maybe don't have the energy or the ability to do some things they did 20 years ago, it doesn't make them the enemy. Yeah. So, you know, you don't want to push them so hard that you break them and you hurt them. It's almost like the, the Hippocratic Oath, first thing, pastor, do no harm, you know, to the best of your ability. So I think what I just did was get them plugged in where they had the ability and the availability, and then did something that I think I found in the Bible somewhere called discipleship. <laughs> I don't know. It's like this, this new thing. No one told me when Tell I got into the ministry, I had to disciple anybody. Someone should have warned me. So we just started discipling people, and we people started getting saved. And, you know, listen, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? So if I could just tell a replanter or a revitalizer this, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So, I, you know, you don't have to have it all figured out year one. You won't. I'm going to say this. It's not until year three till you really know the extent of the problem. And it's not until year five that they trust you really enough to really follow you. So if you go in with the whole, you know, we need to get this done now, you're going to end up running over a whole bunch of people to try to reach a whole bunch of people, and it won't work. When, so the timeline, obviously, those are key points that you've made uh, in terms of the timeline. So how long have you been at Cornerstone? Total seven years. I've so, been a senior pastor for almost four. Okay. So you feel like in some ways you're just really at year two in the restart of this thing or year three? Yeah. Yeah. So the first three years, you know, I got a lot of leadership opportunity from the senior pastor. You know, he gave me the really the go ahead to lead immediately on day one under his covering. So that was great. That was a blessing. You know, we were able to make some hard choices. And ultimately, he was the one who stood up and, and kind of communicated that. You know, but the first three years, honestly, we were just figuring out what was wrong. You know, when he left and I became the senior pastor, the first year, we started to figure out what to do right. You know, and now we're starting to figure out where do we need to go? And people now have known me long enough. And, it, and this is the third thing I would say to a replanter or a revitalizer. You know, you can teach what you know, right? Anybody can teach what they know. But you can only lead where you're willing to go. Mm. And it, this is key because, you know, you're telling people like, Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. And where you're asking these people to follow are places they've never been before, places that are uncomfortable. You're asking them to put in some hard work. 
So, you know, you could easily get up and exegete a text, right? Well, this is what the Bible says we should be doing. But you got to get up and do it first. Yeah. You got to get up and do it first. You know, you could teach them what you know. That's fine. And you should. You, know, you can only lead them where you're willing to go. You got to get up and go. You know, don't burn out. You got to have some people that can tell you, hey, reel it in, man. Reel it in. But uh, definitely you got to be willing to put yourself out there and be really transparent. Uh, throughout this process. One of the questions I always like to ask is if you had a cup of coffee with a brand new replanter and you could only share one thing, you could only give them one idea, what would be that one idea you would make sure that they knew? That their identity is in Christ, not their ministry. That's good. That's solid. Yeah. That's so key. That identity piece is one I feel like I learned the hard way. We came to year Year three and what I call the dark days, it was miserable and horrible and painful and a terrible, horrible, very bad, no good day, all of year three. And uh, (laughs) I had to wrestle so hard with the Lord, uh, I felt like Jacob, with my identity and where do I find my value, my worth, my purpose. And I realized at that time, everything was falling around me so bad, it felt like if I didn't find it in Christ, I wasn't going to survive this. There was no hundred percent. What I really felt from the Lord was if I would just find my identity solely in him, not partially, but completely in him, I could handle whatever, whatever's coming. That's, I mean, that's what, that's for me, it hit me. I think then more than ever, when Paul wrote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, preceded by, I have found the secret to being content in all circumstances. That's right. That's right. He wrote that from prison, right? <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, he didn't write that like from an office suite. He didn't write that. Yeah. He wasn't uh, on the cover of outreach magazine, Jerusalem, fastest growing church in the world. You know, he didn't have, you know, you know, Stephen Furtick's biceps or Craig Rochelle's hair. You, you know what I mean? Like he wasn't funny like Chandler. Right. I mean, but yet Paul, Paul was content with wherever God had him because his identity was fully in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's another thing kind of related to what you said. If you take one thing, Come on, man. Replant the revitalizer. Get off the internet. Get off the hot, fastest growing churches list. You know, come on. And no other world do we sit and compare ourselves, you know, to guys that are just crushing it, right? So if I was just like, man, I, why, why is my church not growing? Like Matt Chandler's church grew in the first three years. You know, that's like Brett Gardner, you know, saying, well, why am I not hitting, you know, 50 home runs like Aaron Judge? That's just not who you're made to be. Yeah. It's not, it, it's, why are we comparing ourselves to outliers? Well, it's that moment that Peter has with Jesus when Jesus is resurrected on the beach and, you know, and, and Peter goes, hey, but what about John? <laughs> and Jesus is like, look, I'll keep John alive for the rest of eternity if that's what I want to do. <laughs> for you, life's going to end pretty badly. Yeah, it is, you know, it's just, it's just, it's one of those things where, listen, our ministries for the Lord are worthwhile and valid whether our church grows from 50 to 50,000 or from 50 to five, if we're being faithful to the Lord and we're pouring our lives out for him, then there, there is no lose, man. And there is no shame in that. Yeah. All right. So last thing, we find ourselves in an interesting season in the life of the American church, really churches in a lot of countries. So as the kind of coronavirus quarantine, social distancing has happened, how are you adjusting 
to all of this? And in what ways do you see God using this season in a unique way for your church? Yeah, this is, I mean, all the things we've been talking about, you know, the Bible lays out some things that are going to happen towards the end and all the things, you know, sort of a ministry and digital ministry. And it feels like everything just got pressed fast forward times four. Um, all the things that we've been preparing for are here. Um, this is a great gospel opportunity. I mean, this is stopping everyone in their tracks. And I'll tell you, for us, we live in a culture here in New York that's ludicrous. Um, both parents working, kids are in sports nonstop, ton of extracurricular activities, very little free time, and we're shut down, man. Our 401ks are falling apart, schools are closed, colleges are closed, people are being told stay home. Uh, so th- this is a great opportunity. You know, people are kind of held captive in their homes to kind of use some of the things we've been working on, some digital online tools to bring the gospel into every home in our area. So as our church, we were in the process of doing some online services and using, you know, things like Zoom and and BoxCast and Facebook and YouTube and all that stuff. So one of the things that I really said today to some of our staff was our next hire will be someone who is really speaks the language of tech and media fluently. Because, you know, this, this could happen once a year. You know, the church is not the building. We could be the church and not be in the building. Yeah. But it doesn't just happen. You know, there's a lot of stuff you have to prepare and lay out. Uh, so we're doing the best we can. We're doing uh, simple things. Keep it simple, man. Keep it simple. Can I just say keep it simple? You don't need a 4, 4K, $4,000 camera. You got an iPad. You have an iPhone. You have Facebook Live. You can upload to YouTube. You can do PayPal for online giving. Man, if you have not done online giving, do it now. Yeah. Stop listening. Go do it. <laughs> I saw that. Now. <laughs> can we do it now? Seriously, do it. Why? Yeah, incidentally, Life- Lifeway is offering um, free setup for churches. So yeah. um, if, if you're listening next week and you haven't done that yet, then get on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a must. I mean, listen, we've debated for a few, the past few years, virtual campuses. Is it a real church? Mm-hmm. Video preaching. Is it legitimate? And let me just say this. None of what we have to do now has nothing to do with those debates. Nothing. If we want to minister to a world that feels hopeless with the hope of Jesus Christ, we've been given some incredible tools, most of which are low to no cost. So man, learn how to do it. Have someone dedicated to do it. It's not going to happen by osmosis. Be intentional about it. Uh, that's what we're doing, man. So that's how we're handling it. We're planning on not being in church till May. We may do a drive-in Easter service where everyone stays in their car. We're trying to be creative and be creative. And remember this, you can go on Facebook Live and your church page and invite people into your living room as the pastor or a staff member. And it doesn't have to be all formal. You don't have to make sure you're not quoting, you know, coin Greek. Like just say hello, hang out, show them your kids. Like, let them know what you're doing. Just, just, be, just be relaxed, man. Be chill. People need a little chill right now. I'll tell you, one of the biggest lessons I've learned so far in this season is make sure your building is properly secured and your hand sanitizer is put in a safe yeah. place. Listen, <laughs> you got to tell that story, right? So <laughs> what hour in the morning did you get this? Uh, tell the story. Like this so I woke up at five o'clock this morning like I normally do. And uh, after spending a little time uh, with the Lord, I opened my phone and look at 
my notifications and I see we've got the ring.com cameras and I see that someone has been in our building around 2.30 in the morning. And, and so I'm like, who, you know, there are several church members with keys and so I'm thinking maybe, you know, I don't know why a church member would be there at 2.30 in the morning, but I'm just, I'm believing the best. And, and so uh, I check the... <laughs> I check the video and we'll post a, a link to the video here in the, uh, in the show notes. You can look at it. Uh, and this guy, I, so we just got brand new glass doors uh, at our welcome center and you know, you install it and then it kind of settles and it settled and you have to kind of push it pretty hard to make sure it locks. And whoever used it last didn't push it in to make sure it locked. And so he didn't break in. He just like opened the door. Right. <laughs> like the video is great is the guy walks in, he looks around, he looks at a bass guitar, doesn't touch it. Don't need it. Two way radios uh, in the security room, doesn't touch nah. it. Looks at a couple other things and then he goes and you can hear it on the video. He goes, oh, they got that hand sanitizer. I'm going to yeah, grab buddy. some of that because I need it. <laughs> I like this guy. First of all, have you checked the bathrooms yet? I did. No more toilet paper. Either. No, I checked. We're good on toilet paper. <laughs> he didn't grab any of that. Just the hand sanitizer. That's it. Can we can we just say this? Hey, listen, whoever you are, uh, for for Jimbo, I'm going to say this: we're not going to prosecute, man. No, nope. not you didn't break in, but we need to interview you. <laughs> I, I need to understand why you thought the church would have it. Why two thirty a.m.? I just want to talk it through. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's brilliant. I love him already. Oh, it's so good, man. It is it has brightened my day so much. Yeah, buddy. So I uh I posted it and like as of this morning as of the day of the recording and this is like over 4,000 views. Our local news station just did an article on it. Uh they just put out uh it just it's it's insane. So Listen, if things get bad, we're going to put a sign up on the church door. Um closed due to coronavirus outbreak in the church has not been cleaned yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. We're just going to be proactive. There you go. That's how you keep people out here. <laughs> All right. This has been a great episode. Thanks for being with us, Rubino. Jimbo, you're the man. Bob? Yes. Your name's kind of normal. And you were a Chiefs thing. I don't know if you were a front runner or you were a Chiefs fan before. Um, you don't even have to answer. I, you know, you're probably a front runner since you, you know, making fun of the Jets, I'm going to assume. Hey. I watched the Chiefs when I was a little kid, and my heart was broken every single year until this last year. You know, I'm going to take you at your word. I mean, you're serving the Lord. I'm going to assume that you're telling me the truth, man. So congratulations then on your big win this year. <laughs> Thanks, Rubino. <laughs> Hope it doesn't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Stay safe. Stay sanitized. <laughs> if not, Jimbo's out. Raid Bob's church. Yeah, there you go. I don't have any more. If, if you want to donate any hand sanitizer to our church, just let me know. Redemption Jacksonville. That's Redemption, it. Redemptionjacks.church. Contact us. We'll, uh, we'll receive any donations. All right, guys. Have a great day. Be good, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.